Jesus House in Pursuit of God Discovering Purpose Maximizing Potential Impacting Lives This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London God bless you thank you as we share your word. We ask that you will breathe upon it and that you will continue to stir the fire in our hearts. Continue to pour out your spirit on it, Heavenly Father. Um, let this excitement that we feel, let it bear fruit, almighty and everlasting God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, I remember um, when the Lord spoke to me about marrying Shola and of course, I'm submitted to some people, so I had to tell them. And there was some degree of uh, trepidation um, as I went to tell these people that I'm submitted to. And of course, one of them was uh, Dr. Onuzo. And I remember how the Holy Spirit set me up to tell him. Um, uh, and um, I said to him, oh, there's something I, I, I would like to tell you. And as soon as I said it, we were sitting in church uh, we're standing in church. He was going to preach. As soon as I said it, I had great regrets that I had said it because I didn't really know how I was going to put this case to him. And right after the service, I had hoped he would forget, but of course he didn't. After preaching right after the service, when we're up, up, upstairs in the offices, um, he said to me, oh, so what was it you wanted to tell me about? And I felt I had to make a case. And so I started trying to make a case, you know, God's ways are not our ways. God moves in mysterious ways. I just, you know, trying to build my, build my case before telling him, this is what I feel the Lord has said to me. Um, and he said to me at some point, you know, Dr. Nuzo is, he was looking over his glasses and then he looked over his glasses and said to me, are you trying to tell me about SK? Now, SK was Shola's nickname then, um, um, her initials, Shola Kujore. Um, that was, her, 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 that was how most people knew her. And I almost fell off the chair. I thought, how on earth did you know that? And he said something to me that has stuck with me. He said, anyone who goes up into the spirit realm will know. He says, because in the spirit realm, some things are written on postcards. And so you have to get up really close to be able to read what is written on a postcard. He said, some things are written on handbills. And you know, handbills are larger than postcards. And for the handbills, um, what they are, handbills. You don't need to get as close uh, with a post as you would with a postcard. He said, but some things are written on billboards. And he says, you know, and, you know with billboards, um, you're driving on the motorway, especially in America. Um, and you've got these massive billboards that are advertising all kinds of things. As you're driving, you can read them. The, let, the let, lettering is so large. And it's the, some of them are neon lit um, billboards. And he says to me, this matter of you and Shola is on billboards in the spirit realm. Um, and he says, anybody who goes up there will know that this is what God is saying. Well, I borrow what that, that image that he shared with me, which has stayed with me. I borrow it to talk about today about the new because I feel that this issue of God doing a new thing is written on massive billboards in the spirit realm. It is so clear, so obvious, so loud 
that God is doing a new thing in your life and in my life. And when you look at how God has spoken what is obvious in the spirit, spirit realm into the natural world, then you know that this is God's program for this season. Uh, just, just go on a journey as I did last Sunday and see how God has systematically spoken to us, built precept upon precept, uh, word upon word. You're left in no doubt where we are today that God is definitely saying, I am doing a new thing. Uh, that is what God is saying to you and that is what God is saying to me. Um, and you look at the scriptures, you, you, you pray them through, you ask for more revelation. It becomes clear that God is saying he is doing a new thing. And of course, we know that if God is doing a new thing, then it's a season of change. Um, things are changing. Uh, things are moving from one place to another. They are moving from one sphere to another. There is a movement that is taking place. Things are changing. And you know, I know change comes with its challenges because the, the, the human nature is just comfortable in its comfort zone. And that's how we all are. I'm like that, you're like that. But then what encourages me with this change is that it's a change that is orchestrated by God himself. I want to read to you out of all the scriptures God has spoken to us. Um, one that we form the theme of our Pursuit of God conference, um, um, the Songs of Solomon, the second chapter and the 13th verse from the Passion Translation. But to put it in context, I want to actually read from verse 11 to 13. I want you to listen to this scripture, receive it again into your spirit. This is definitely what the Lord is saying to us. Songs of Songs. So, so your, some of your Bibles will say Songs of Solomon. The second chapter, verses 11 to 13. The season has changed. The bondage of your barren winter has ended. That's a good place for someone to say an amen. And the end of the season of hiding is over and gone. It's a, it's a season when God is revealing his sons, revealing his daughters. It's the season for you to come out. Is the season for you to step out. The season has definitely changed. It has definitely come. One season has definitely come to an end. A new season has start, started. And if the last season was barren in any way, that is over. It has changed. The rains have soaked the earth and left it bright with blossoming flowers. The rains... As I read that, the revelation that came to me is the rains are symbolic of the Spirit of God. There's an outpouring of the Spirit of God that is brightening things up and that is creating the blossoming of things in people's lives. So just receive that word. There's an outpouring of the Spirit of God that has started, that is brightening things up, and that is causing things to blossom again. The season for singing and pruning the vines has arrived. It's a season to rejoice. It's a season to sing. It's a season to celebrate what God has done. But it's also a season of pruning, a, a season where God is, is dealing with certain things in our lives. And whilst pruning, 
will bear fruit and pruning is necessary for the tree to blossom further, um, to, to prosper more. But pruning is not necessarily something that is painless. And so whilst there is pruning being done, we rejoice because we know that we are being pruned to be better, to fulfill God's plans and purposes for our, our lives. I hear the cooing of the doves in our land filling the air with songs to awaken you and guide you forth. Now the doves are symbolic of the Spirit of God. So when I hear them cooing, that means I'm hearing the call of the Spirit. And I pray you're hearing the call of the Spirit. The Spirit of God calling one into a deeper place, into more intimacy um, with Him and with God. The Spirit of God calling us to wake up and letting us know that He wants to guide us into what God has planned. Can you not discern this new day of destiny? It's a new day of destiny and I pray that God will help you discern it for your life. I pray you will understand it for your life. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? It's already happening. It's, it's taking place. There are things that are happening in your life that are part of the new day of destiny. There are things that are happening around you that are part of the new day of destiny. May God open our eyes. And it's not our natural eyes. It's the eyes of our inner man that we, that we discern what is happening around us. The early signs, he says, of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. Thank God for that. These things we see, these early signs, the things we spoke about last week, the, the, the vision of the new, these are early signs, that they are indications, they are pointers to God's plans and God's purposes. And we'll talk a bit more about that. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. And that's what it is about, a renewal, new life. Uh, the outpouring of, of the Spirit, the, the awakening of things, the bringing back to life of things, the blossoming of things. It's a wonderful season to find ourselves. A season where, that we're entering, entering where things will be growing and throbbing and multiplying and pulsating. It's a wonderful and exciting season. The, a season of new life. And I declare that new life into every area of your life. The fragrance of their flowers whispers there is change in the air. That's the consequence as a result of God moving, as a result of God birthing the new, starting something different in your life. Then the result of that is change. So let's embrace the change. Let's ask for grace for the change. Let's ask for the Spirit of God to help us understand the change. Let's not try and stay where we are because where we are is drying up. Let's move on to where God has obviously moved to so that, so that as we change, we enter what God has planned for us. And then there's the call, arise my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. Come on, let's go to that higher place. Uh, let's move into a deeper place. Let's embrace this discipleship that we spoke about so that we move into a deeper place. And let's understand now is the time to arise and come away with me. It's a thing of now. It's all about now. Last week I shared, started sharing the vision. And, you know, in the way that my mind works, the vision is broken down into about five things that are, in a sense, the 
the, the, the framework of that vision. The first thing, of course, I spoke about was the base. Um, that's Jesus' house, the base. Um, that's, uh, in a physical sense, where we are now. Um, we know we're moving in the next two months or so. Wherever we end up, that will be the base. That's the physical place. And it will still be there, a strong base. Um, um, hopefully we can strengthen it even further now, understanding what God wants to do. So the first thing is the base, you know. Some people have said, so does, does Jesus' house disappear? This, where we, what, what we are now and where we are? I said, absolutely not. What happens is only as strong as the base. So, of course, we strengthen the base. We strengthen the home. Uh, we, st we strengthen the place from which we launch out. And that's the base, Jesus' house. And then there are the hubs. The hubs are, are expressions, both in London, outside London, in the United Kingdom, and abroad. And what are the hubs? They are just Jesus' house expressions that are planted in other places. They are a community of believers who are affiliated to Jesus' house, linked to Jesus' house, who are doing life together, doing Christ together, loving each other together, supporting each other together, growing together, entering the new together. That's what the hubs are. So the hubs are like taking the fire that is here, and then taking the fire to different parts of London, different parts of the United Kingdom, and different parts of the world. And so the, the, the people who are there who are already connected to Jesus' house, and some will come who are not connected to join the hubs. Um, from, from the hubs, they can do life together. Uh, and we realize as we look at the early church that the miraculous happened in their own versions of the hubs. We're only following the pattern that we see in the early church. So much happened as people did life together, grew together, studied together, uh, uh, supported each other, loved each other, went through some tough times together, celebrated the, the good times together. And as they did that and loved the Lord passionately, uh, studied his word, broke bread, uh, strengthened their fellowship, the miraculous started to happen. We expect to hear miraculous things happening in our hubs. Of course, we know that some hubs will transit into full-fledged churches. And we've prepared the groundwork for that. For when the hub decides that the people in the hub and the leader of the hub and, we, and, and those of us who are in the central base decide that this hub is now time for it to transit to a full-fledged church. And we've got a process. We are putting in place a process for that to happen. So there's the base and there are the hubs. And then there, there's what I call the incubator or the incubators. And what are those? They're just going to do what incubators do, a system, a process uh, where we can put in put in things that might not be strong enough and they stay in the incubator and at the end of it they come out having been strengthened. What is that whole thing? It's our discipleship process. It's our process of learning, it's our process of, of pouring into people to take them from where they, where, they, where they came into the incubators to be strong, seasoned Christians and leaders in their society. And the incubators will run from our children's ministry all the way to the oldest person in the church. Everyone will be able to go through an incubator to be strengthened. Young people going through their own incubators, uh, older people going through incubators, and everyone coming out strengthened and 
of better use to the kingdom of God. And then, of course, there are the greenhouses or the greenhouse. Now, what is that? It's an understanding that there is so much ministry in so many of you. But when we don't have the resources, the support, we haven't been given the skills, we can't allow the ministry that is in us to serve the kingdom of God. So we want to, cre- we are create- we want to create a what we call a greenhouse. And you know what a greenhouse does? You put something in there and it thrives, it grows, because the environment has been conditioned to help it grow. Uh, the best environment has been created. So we say that we are in pursuit of God. This is, this is a, 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 a maxim. In pursuit of God. Discovering purpose. Maximizing potential. That's what the greenhouse will do. Help us discover purpose and maximize potential. Whatever ministry God has put in a person in this church, as long as we agree that it is God, We want to create the space, the opportunity, empower the person to do ministry. So whilst the person remains here in Jesus' house, a part of Jesus' house, this is my local church, the person can run with whatever ministry and we can support it in prayer, give it a covering. We can equip the person and let that ministry go and achieve what God has planned for it. So those are, the, those are the things. And the last thing, of course, we spoke about were the rivers. And the rivers is just a community of like-minded churches who are, who are passionate about certain things that are, we are passionate about. They are passionate about revival. They are passionate about pray, prayer, praying for the nations. They are passionate about a spiritual renewal. They are passionate about the regeneration of society. And as long as we find them, churches who have a like mind. We can come together, iron sharpens iron. We can encourage each other. Uh, we serve each other. It's purely relational. All these things I've described sit on a bed of relationships. And together, we can help empower ourselves uh, for the next j- stage. It's interdenominational, uh, Rivers. It's not a Jesus house thing. Jesus house just helps create it, and then we release it to go and become what it is what it's supposed to be. So those are the things that I want you to remember. Uh, the bays, the hubs, the incubator, the greenhouse, and rivers. Amen? Now, on a, in a very practical sense, what does all this mean to you? I want to run through a number of things. I don't have much time, but we will run through it and then we'll amplify it. Um, um, next week, I uh, want you to, uh, we'll, we'll put together um, something that will take this further. Uh, and then the week after that, I'll do a Q&A where I can answer more questions. So four things that are actually four questions that you've got to answer yourself. First question, have you received the word? What does it mean to receive the word? Have you heard it? Do you believe it? Do you accept it's from God, albeit said by man? Have you embraced it? Are you excited about it? Are you wondering what do I do to make sure that this word comes to pass in my life and that I play my part in the kingdom to ensure that the word achieves what God wants it to achieve in the kingdom? Those are questions you must answer for yourself. This word that came... And the word came powerfully. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Isaiah 43 verses 18 and 19. 
Mark 2, verses 21 to 22. Songs of Songs 2, verse 13. But even, even more, to put it in context, verses 11 to 13. Have you embraced this word? Received it? Are you excited about it? Are you, are you looking forward to it bearing fruit in your life? Are you talking to people about it? And we'll find out, are you praying into it? Have you embraced the word? You know, in Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter and the 20th verse, the, the concept of how to deal with a prophetic word was laid before us by Jehoshaphat. And what did he say to the children of Israel as a prophetic word came? He says, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets uh, who spoke the prophetic word and you shall prosper. So that's the first thing, practical thing. Have you received the word? The second thing, practical thing, do you know that you have a part to play in it? Are you certain that it's about you? Albeit a word spoken to a community, but God is speaking it directly to you. He's saying to you, I'm doing a new thing in your life. I'm doing a new thing in your church community. Do you know that? And do you know that you have a part to play in it? If it is a word from God, everyone who is part of this family, when a word comes to a family, it doesn't exclude anyone in the family. Everyone who is part of the family has a part to play in it. From the youngest to the oldest, there's no one in the way God works who is redundant. God does not do redundancy. Um, we only stop serving God when we get to heaven and then all we do is worship God. But as long as you have life, you continue to serve God. That, that, that's, that's why, that's why the, the uh, Caleb could ask for more, even at the age of 80 years old. And, and Shola was sharing a wonderful scripture with us that shows a generation, how generations uh, come together to serve God. How Caleb got to a point where he reached out for help from, for, from Othniel to help him take the land. And that's really how it is. We're working together. Every one of us has a part to play. If there's some voice telling you it's about them, it's about them, it's about this, this group, it's about that group, that is a lie of Satan. And he's trying to do what he always does. You know, you watch nature programs. How do weaker animals, or how do animals uh, attack, predators attack animals that, are, that have their strength when they're together? They create confusion to isolate one that's, that, that, that's, that's a straggler, and that one that's isolated as a straggler becomes lunch for them. You won't become lunch for the enemy because you're not going to be isolated from the family. It's about you. It's not a word that is spoken into the atmosphere. It's about you and you have a part to play in it. Do you know what that part is? If you don't, then why don't you find out? Why don't you ask questions? Principally, why don't you ask the Holy Spirit what part? But to ask and receive, your heart has to be open for you to know this is a word to my family and I have a part to play in it. Number three, and this is so important, do you understand the vision? Um, Habakkuk, the second chapter and the second verse, it places a responsibility on those sharing the vision. R write the vision, make it plain 
so that he may run who reads it. That's our responsibility, to make the vision plain to you. But then there's a corresponding responsibility from you to put yourself in the right posture to understand the vision. Without a vision, the people perish. Proverbs 29 verse 18. The Passion Translation says it like this, where there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. Now that's a wonderful picture when, where, that, that the Bible paints of a person who whose soul is filled with heaven's bliss. Uh, what's the Bible talking about? A person who has joy, a person who is content, a person who is fulfilled. Now, how do I get to that point of being fulfilled personally? It, I get to that point where I understand the prophetic vision. Because if I don't understand the prophetic vision that is spoken to a house that I say I'm a part of, I will wander astray. I will make mistakes. But then when I follow the prophetic vision and the revelation of the word. So all this word that God has spoken to us, do we understand the revelation of it? If we don't, let's strive to. Let's pray about it. Let's get together in little groups. Let's discuss it. Let's, let's ask questions as to how it affects us. Because my understanding of the revelation of the word is what will lead me to have heaven's bliss uh, fill my soul. The fourth question I would ask you is, are you covering the new in prayer? You know, the African elders have a phrase, and African elders come up with the, some of the wisest things imaginable. They say when you light a fire, you've got to shield the fire when it's still a flickering flame in its infancy from the wind. But as it gathers strength, you can then take away the shield because the very wind that would have put it out is going to fan it into even uh, more intensity uh, because it has gathered strength. What am I saying? I'm saying when you're birthing something new, that is the time to pray for a covering around that thing, to pray that that thing will be birthed, to pray that there will be no abortions or no stillbirths. Pardon me using that term because I'm using the reference of birthing to describe what I'm saying. That's the time to really press in in prayer. God, you have given me a vision. You've shared with me. You're doing something new in my church family. I don't want to miss it. I have to be a part of it. That's the time to really get into the place of prayer, into that secret place, birthing this by the Spirit of God. That's the beauty of praying in the Spirit. I might not know the details, but I can pray the mind of God concerning this thing that God is doing in my life. And so I would like to encourage you, form little prayer groups, prayer cells, get together, you know, put aside a few hours on a Saturday, a Sunday, as you pray through what God is doing. You know, one of the graces that the, the modern, modern day church has lost, which the saints of old had, and I greatly am, admire, was that grace to pray through something, to seize something and press it through in prayer and not let go until you see the manifestation of that thing. May that grace to pray through 
come and rest mightily upon you. Now, we're going to be assisting this process. We'll be putting out prayer points that you can use, scriptures you can use to pray through the new. Um, we'll be encouraging you with forming um, different expressions and platforms to express this, this desire to pray through the new. That prayer is absolutely critical. And then I wanted to end with this picture of what should I expect? You know, as I'm going into this new, what am I looking out for? What should I expect? Again, let me share these, these things with you, these five things very quickly. Number one, I should expect the enemy to go into action. The enemy is going to try to distract you, guaranteed. Now, when you know that, when you see the distractions, you know that's a distraction. I mustn't get caught by it. It's a, it's a principle you see throughout the Bible. Uh, the children of Israel want to go and worship God in the wilderness. What does Pharaoh do? Type of the enemy. He says, distract them with more work. Break their backs with more work. It's because they have a bit of time. That's why they're talking this nonsense about going to worship God. The enemy will distract you. If you look at Nehemiah, you find the same thing in the book of Nehemiah, uh, verse, uh, chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored, the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry, and all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. A lot of conspiracies now taking place in the spirit realm. In dark places, the enemies at work, conspiracies to create confusion so that they can come and attack and distract. Now, you know that. So, of course, you prepare for it. You know when you see it. You stay in that secret place. You stay in prayer. You trust the Lord that he's your shield and your buckler and he will, he will protect you. But you've got to be aware of it. Now, what did they do? Listen to them and learn from them. Nehemiah's, the, the book of Nehemiah is a master class in leadership. What did he do when he saw that there were conspiracies and, and there were plans to distract? Verse 9, nevertheless, we made our prayer to God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Fantastic. What did he do? He didn't panic. He didn't throw up his arms in despair. He didn't ask God, where are you? He said, no, no, no. That's the enemy. And I'm saying to you, that's the enemy. So what did he do? He prayed to God, knowing that, there, as, as Dr. Nuzo would say, there's only one control tower in this world, and it's in heaven, in the throne room of God. He approached the control tower, the God who sits in heaven and rules in the affairs of men, and then he set a watch so we are careful, we walk circumspectly, we are wise, and then we pray to God. Number two, what am I to expect? Some degree of opposition. The enemy will always resist positive change. It's the way he works. He, doesn't ha he has no foreknowledge, but because he's in the spirit, he senses things because things happen in the spirit first. So there was a sense he had that this Moses is not an ordinary child. And he has something to do with the destiny of these people. I don't know what it is, but let's not wait to find out. Let's try and kill him. And in the process, he kills so many, but God protected Moses. God's going to protect you because he has a plan for your life. He had a sense that this child that's born in a manger, 
<laughs> this child is no ordinary child. This is a baby, but as he grows, he's going to become deadly to the kingdom. And so we better just deal with him. And he killed hundreds of thousands of children trying to kill Jesus. The enemy always goes after the baby because he has a sense that this baby that's going to grow is going to have a devastating impact on the kingdom. All this talk about the new, the enemy knows, is going to be devastating to his kingdom. The hubs, the, the incubators, the rivers, you know, the greenhouses. It's going to release a whole new generation of soldiers of Christ. Can you imagine the amount of ministries that are going to be unlocked in Jesus' house? People doing stuff that is not the church that is driving it. The church just created the environment. And they're affecting lives in Africa and in Asia and in their communities. Uh, they're doing little things that are affecting the elderly. They're just serving with the graces and gifts that God has has given them. They are doing things with children. Just ministries being released. The enemy says, no, 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 no. We have to kill that baby before the baby starts to walk and before the baby becomes an adult and starts to run. So we expect opposition. That will happen. We understand it. So we're ready for it. Like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 9, for a great and effective door has been opened to me and there are many adversaries. We expect it that there will be many adversaries. Number three, we expect, we understand that it will not happen overnight. This is one of the challenges in, a 21st, in the 21st century world. Everybody wants it fast yesterday. It's got to be quicker. It's got to be faster. The broadband has to be quicker. The microwave has to do it quicker. You know, at the click of the button, the computer has to be stronger. So it happens. You sell in the 21st century by how fast and how quick it happens. However, you know that with God, there is a timetable in heaven. He is working to his own timetable. He's not under pressure. I find it fascinating that God said that the children of Israel were not going to be set free until the cup of the Amorites was full. That, I, I read that scripture and I say, so there's nothing they could do here that could change that timetable. The cup of the Amorites ha has to be full. So what do we do? We align with God's timetable. We know that he has the, our best intentions at heart. He loves us. So we understand that he's birthed at his timing. He tells us the season we're in, the season of birthing. But then the time of particular things happening, we, con we, we, we submit to his sovereignty and the dictates of his spirit. So we understand that it doesn't happen overnight. We don't get frustrated because next week we haven't seen the results. In two months' time, we haven't seen the results. We rest in the word that God gave us. If God said, he will surely bring it to pass. Um, like the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, the third chapter and the first verse, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. The fourth thing is that we understand that it's a partnership. Uh, God is not a magician. He, he chooses not to be. He works with us. Uh, he has chosen to seed the earth to man. And so we have our part to play. It's a partnership. So we commit ourselves in our private lives to diligence, to application. 
We commit ourselves as a corporate body to diligence and to application, to acquiring knowledge. We know that, that, that people perish because of a lack of knowledge. So we acquire knowledge. Of course, the primary knowledge is the revelation of the Word of God. But we also acquire all, all the other kinds of knowledge. We know that skills are required in building the tabernacle in the Old Testament. They didn't just find anybody. They found people who were highly skilled craftsmen. And so we realize that some of the skills that God has given us that we thought was to earn a salary and then we demarcated that from, the, from service in the kingdom of God. We understand now that all those skills God gave us was for the kingdom of God. I trained as a lawyer. I've always enjoyed talking. I'm sure my father thought I would be arguing cases in the courts. But what am I doing? I'm arguing the case for Christ. And I understand that it's not my arguments that win the case. I just have to speak. The Spirit will take the words and bring conviction. I'm sharing visions. I understand that it's not my eloquence, and I don't think I am that eloquent. It's not how articulate I am. Sometimes I, I fumble with my words. But I understand that as I yield myself with whatever God has given, given me, the Spirit can put His breath upon it, and those words become not natural words, but Spirit-filled words. And God has graced us with, with so many things in so many areas. And so we diligently apply ourselves to those graces, and we allow those graces to serve the kingdom of God, advance the kingdom. And as we do that, we find a fulfillment. We are blessed as a result. Whatsoever you sow, you reap. One of my favorite scriptures is taken from Hebrews, the sixth chapter and the 10th verse. God is not unjust. One translation says, not unfair to forget the labor of love of those who labor in love towards the saints. There is an angel who is keeping meticulous records. So when certain things come certain people's way, it's because they have given of themselves to God to advance his kingdom, to serve the saints. And then the God who superintends the seed time and the harvest has caused the harvest to come back to them. There is a diligence and application in our personal lives, in our families, and, and towards the ministry and the kingdom of God. And the last thing I wanted to share, what to expect, is we, we are to expect the new. Yes, not a makeover, not something refurbished, not something that has just been painted over, but we are to expect the new, original, un unprecedented, Never been that way before. That's what Joshua was told. Keep your eyes on the ark and follow the ark. You've never been that way before. We are to expect the new. Uh, and, and, and the Bible paints a picture for us. You, we just hold on to that picture. What does it look like, God? He says it will be like a way in the wilderness and like rivers in the desert. That's what we are to expect. That's what I expect in your life. I expect you to have testimonies as you just give yourself to the vision that God has given us of new things coming your way, new places you find yourself, new relationships you're in, uh, new, new, new expressions for you to work that come your way. We expect the new, new depths in your relationship with God. We expect the new. Of course we expect the new. 
Does God not say, seek first my kingdom? Matthew, Matthew 6, verses 31 to 33. Seek first, seek, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things are added unto you. He says, don't be like them, those who don't believe in me, whose thoughts are dominated by these things. Our thoughts are not dominated by these things, but we do get those things. We get them as a consequence of seeking first his kingdom. As we seek first his kingdom, the Bible says he already knows what you have need of. He knows that you desire a wife. He knows you desire a child. He knows you desire promotion. He knows you desire a larger house. He knows you desire new relationships. He knows you desire healing. And the God that I serve, as we seek first his kingdom, says, don't worry, I know what you have. I will add those things. But let's seek first the kingdom of God. I want to end on this note. As I was sharing with Shola, um, that this is what the Lord laid on my heart. She told me about an encounter she had um, in her early morning quiet time with God. And I believe it's an encounter for all of us. And what was God saying to her? It's taken out of Joshua, the 21st chapter, verses 43 to 45. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land he had sworn to give to their ancestors. And they took possession of it and settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had solemnly promised their ancestors. None of their enemies could stand against them, for the Lord helped them conquer all their enemies. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. And I speak that word into your life. That as you pursue the new, you are entering the rest of God on every side. That none of your enemies will be able to stand against you. The Lord himself will help conquer all your enemies. And I declare over your life that not a single one of all the good promises the Lord has given this Jesus house family will be left unfulfilled. Everything he has spoken will surely come to pass in the name of Jesus Amen and amen. Well, I hope that kind of takes just one more step, one step further. And if there are questions that you have to ask, and it's important that we ask these questions, it's important that, we, that, that, that we're clear as to where we're going, then let's ask those questions. The more we ask questions, uh, the more the more it's clearer to us. And, you know, we've created a whole new email address so the emails come directly to me and to a few of the key people who are involved so that we don't miss anybody's questions or not just questions, comments that can help us. Um, you know, people might know things. I mean, we've, we're searching for a new location. We've got a few options up our sleeves. Is it beyond God that somebody in the church is going to know exactly where, where we're going? Not not just because the the... They are surveyors, but maybe even God tells them. It happened to a friend of so someone I know in ministry. God specifically told them where they were going. So let's just come together and let's do it together. Someone might have a better idea about discipleship, a better idea about incubators. Someone might be passionate about rivers. And, you know, I just want to thank those who have already started supporting. 
So let's come together. Let's send in our ideas. Let's send in our thoughts. Let's pray and receive from God. Gone are the days where one person is the only person who is hearing from God. No. God speaks to all of us. Let's hear together. Let's put our hands to this plow together. Let's be excited about the future. Uh, and, and so the email address is up on the screen. The new at jesushouse.org.uk So please send in um, whatever you want to send in, your thoughts, your comments, your encouragement, um, your criticisms, as long as they're constructive criticisms. I hate destructive criticisms. I won't respond to them. But as long as they're constructive criticisms, of course, that's what we want. we want. We want those things to help spur us and encourage us. Hallelujah. And as I end, um, you're watching out there, the, the, the newest thing that could happen to you if you don't already know Jesus is that you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He's knocking on the door of someone's heart. He wants to take you on a journey. Uh, he wants to take you into new things. He wants to start a new relationship with you. But you've got to open your heart. And if you want to do so, if you would just, just say this prayer with me, believe in every word, and your heart will be opened up uh, for him to come in. And I guarantee you he will come in. Will you say this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I open my heart and receive your son Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Today, I commit my life to him. I turn away from anything sinful in my life as I embrace you as my Father and your Son Jesus as my Savior. Thank you for your spirit that now takes residence in my heart. In Jesus' name, I'm now a child of yours, born into your family today. Amen. 